Hello and welcome to PW Kids Cast, the children's book podcast from Publishers Weekly. In each episode, we speak with authors and illustrators creating books for children and teens. I'm John Sellers, the children's reviews editor at Publishers Weekly. Today I'm speaking with author Roby H. Harris, whose books for children include It's Perfectly Normal, It's So Amazing, Male Harry to the Moon, and many other titles. Her latest picture book, Turtle and Me, is being published in the U.S. in April by Little Bee Books, which is sponsoring this podcast. In Turtle and Me, a boy discusses his devotion to Turtle, the well-loved stuffed animal that has been part of his life ever since he was born. Along the way, Turtle has become a bit ragged, ripped, and worn, but the boy's love for him is undiminished. That's until he and a friend fight over Turtle, and the friend calls him a baby for even having him. Now the boy has to decide whether he still needs Turtle in his life at all. Roby, thank you for speaking with me. Oh, I'm delighted to do so. So this book was actually published in the UK a few years ago, as I understand it. So what's it like to see it get a, a new life again here in the U.S.? Oh, it's absolutely thrilling to have a wider audience in the U.S. And after all, I, I'm a U.S. citizen. I live here. And I think there's just an audience here of young children all over the country who have lobbies and go through the experience that this young child does. And uh, did you make any adjustments to this edition, or is the book that readers will see in April basically identical to the one that British audience uh, saw? It's the identical book, but it was Anglicized when it was first published in the UK, so that people in the UK, and kids in particular, could it had to do with their language and the way they spoke, even though it's still English. But then it became Americanized again when it came back over here. And that's the way I wrote it originally. I had an American editor, and, um, and I live here. So that's <laughs> how I talk, and that's how young children talk. <laughs> mm. um, and is it right that it was actually a, a conversation with a small child about his own sort of beloved uh, lovey that kind of started you on the path to this story? Absolutely. Uh, two things happened. Um, a child I know very well came in, hands on hips, and started telling me the very true history of his quilt. It was not a stuffed animal, but it was his lovey. And all the perils and all the terrible things that happened to his quilt. And now it was, and he looked a little skeptical, ragged and worn and stupid and ugly. And he used all those words. And he didn't know if he would need it anymore. And he looked somewhat concerned, but somewhat okay. And I thought, boy, oh boy, there's a story. And I also had kids. I'm a grandma now. But I had kids who had quilts and blankies, and they became so frayed that I thought I would use a frayed quilt. And then one day, my editor said to me, what about a stuffed animal? And I said, oh, I don't think I want to do a stuffed animal because there's so many stuffed animals. And three days later, I was in the supermarket, and a mother walked up with a little child, a little boy in a stroller. He must have been about two and a half. And he was holding on to a ragged, frayed turtle and I thought I can do it turtle and I was, I was off to making the character a turtle one of my cousins actually grew up with a, a turtle as a lovey and I remember it had a music box inside and over the years you know it got basically faded all the one color like the music box sort of became lost inside you couldn't even use it anymore but you know still just as a uh, just as treasured obviously I mean the book in its way sort of parallels the child growing up because it starts at birth even though children don't remember when they were born, none of us do remember for the first year or so, but we've all been told stories. So 
the quilt has been this child's friend, and now Turtle has been this child's friend since day one. They met. They were best friends then, and they're best friends forever. But friendship falls apart, and the quilt was falling apart. I mean, it gets... You know, it gets left at the playground, right? And they finally rescued it. And it's really gross and disgusting. Words mm-hmm. I use in the book, gross. And um, it has to be washed. Um, this child actually eats too much cake and ice cream at his mom's birthday party. And what does he do? He throws up on his quilt. <laughs> and so it has to go in the washing machine. Then his doggy gets at it. So it sort of mir- mirrors the perils of, of growing up and becoming independent and thinking, oh, I'm just too old to need a lovey anymore or a quilt or my stuffed bear or my stuffed turtle or whatever. And then... This child gets into bed, and of course, what happens? Tries every which way to fall asleep and can't. And yells out in the book, I can't sleep! At which point, Daddy comes in. And he says, he still doesn't need his turtle, but hey, and I'm too old. Having a turtle is a baby thing. And that's the biggest insult in the world, because his friend has said that before. And so putting all these kinds of experiences sort of through the life of Turtle with the life of this child is all about kids becoming independent, but not having to grow up so fast. And in the end, you don't have to give up your quilt. It's okay to have something to make you feel comfy and reassured. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was thinking about that, especially that baby line. It really seems to just cut, <laughs> cut you to the core, just cut you down, especially at that age when you're trying to decide. You know, I feel like this the, the, the debate that is going on in this boy's mind can mirror so many other things. Am I too old for this toy? Am I too young for that movie? You know, and just figuring out where you slot in as you're growing up. Right, and it gave me the opportunity to put in something else about friendship because about three-quarters of the way through the book, you know, a friend comes over and they decide they're going to you know, make a ship and they're going to use the uh, turtle as, you know, put turtle in the, in, in the ship. And, of course, they argue about who's going to hold turtle, right? Mm-hmm. And that's when it's the biggest, baddest rip ever. And then the friend is really mad because they, they fight over it and says, well, having a quilt's a baby thing, you know. And the little boy says, I'm not a baby, I'm a pirate, but then wonders whether it's a baby thing. And it just cuts to the quick. It's the biggest insult. But toward the end of the book, and I love the way Tor Freeman, the illustrator, um, illustrated this book, toward the end... And at the very end, you see that child once again. It's not in the text, but you see that child once again. So that's what happens with friends, with adults, with kids, whomever. Mm -hmm. Um, Speaking of uh, Tor, I know this is asking you to go back a little bit, but did you work independently of each other? Did you collaborate at all as far as um, putting the artwork with the the book? It was very much a collaborative effort, even though she lives um, in London. (laughs) But the designer worked with us and I was sent drawings back and forth and back and forth and commented all the time and Tor listened to the comments. Some of them she used, some of them she didn't. And um, I love to work in that collaborative way with an illustrator because I think together we can get even a better book. And so she was particularly open to just hearing anything I had to say. And, you know, 
I can't draw for beans, and I'm not always right about what I say, but it, we had the back and forth, and I think when that can happen with a book, you know, I, for me, I just feel very, very lucky because we're working together and trying to work hand in hand to make a book that really appeals and speaks to children in the most honest way. And I, I don't know if you noticed in one of the drawings um, during the fight between this child and his very best friend, Tor put in having the child stick its tongue out. <laughs> and, and, you know, asked, said, you know, is this okay? And I said, yes, children do that. They're not the worst people in the world when they do that. They just are expressing all the emotions of anger and fear and then, you know, earlier in the book, loving um, Turtle and then missing Turtle. And, you know, when we talk about kids' most honest feelings, I feel that the best children's books are honest and authentic and really speak to kids. And uh, so why would we take that out? And, of course, we didn't. <laughs> mm-hmm. Do you feel like uh, that's sort of one of the through lines that might connect a book like this to some of your non-fictional books for children? That sort of putting children's emotions front and center and trying to deal with them in a, as honest a way as possible? Absolutely. Uh, my sense, even with just talking with children, with my own kids when they were little and my grandkids, and then I do that in my writing, is that you have to be honest. If you're not honest... Um, and you don't put in and you don't write about the strongest and most powerful feelings a child has, for example, in my fiction picture books, then a child is going to turn off because it doesn't speak to them. It doesn't have the strength. It doesn't connect with them emotionally. And in terms of nonfiction, I do not leave out any information that I feel is in the best interest of the child because, again... They're going to look at it and say, oh, she's not talking about X or Y or Z. And they're just not going to be interested in the book. So I think that the most powerful books for children, and not just mine, and for children of all ages, are really when authors are absolutely honest about whatever they're writing about. And, you know, that's why I had to put in those strong feelings in Turtle and Me, um, whether it was, you know, just being so angry at being called a baby or feeling, okay, I'm old enough. I'm really old now. I don't need my lovey anymore. Then trying desperately to go to sleep and finding out that, you know, it's okay. It's okay to need something, to want something and to have something to comfort you and reassure you even when you're all so old at four and a half. I mean, adults need that too. And I think it's the way when, when we all read stories with the young children, you know, I often say, you know, I have those same feelings too. Uh, sometimes I need to be comforted. I need to be reassured. I mean, I write absolutely for children. And I don't think about the adults. Uh, uh, I really don't. People say, oh, don't put in this feeling or that feeling it's too strong or too powerful and I say look you know this is what real life is like for kids and I'll use that phrase from one of my books those feelings and powerful feelings you have are perfectly normal and they're healthy and it's like you know you hope you get a sort of an aha okay I'm okay that's just like me Looking ahead to future books, do you do you see yourself continuing to write for this sort of age audience? Is this, you know, because of these emotions and these things that kids are feeling and the ways they're they're developing? Is this where you see your career continuing to uh, to sort of hover around? 
Well, I'm always fascinated by young children, and and what I'm really fascinated by is their language. So if you saw me in the park or on the street or on the subway and the bus, I'm sitting next to a young child, and they're saying something, I'm grabbing my pencil and writing down their words. And from those words often come a story. But, you know, if something came along that would be for older kids, sure, I would grab it. It's whatever sort of interests me, and I feel would be really interesting and maybe challenging and sometimes things that other people just aren't going to write about um, because they're, they're scared about it, they're worried about it. I'm, I'm not scared about anything that I write about. You mentioned male Harry to the moon at the beginning. I mean, this child sends his baby brother to the moon and he also suggests that... Uh, um, the baby go back inside mommy, which we know is impossible, but, you know, and, you know, people said to me, are you going to put the, that in? And I said, of course, you know, this is what children think. And, of course, at the end, the baby is rescued by this child. And the same way in which uh, I think Turtle is rescued, Turtle comes back to being comfort, and I've used those words a lot, and reassurance, but also Turtle is part of this child's life. And children see inanimate objects as friends, and they bring them along. I mean, go into any four-year-old's bedroom. How many stuffed animals are you going to see there? And then there's a favorite. And uh, so, sure. And if a topic came along that I had never, ever thought about doing and it grabbed me and I thought it would grab kids, I'd go for it no matter what the age. Well, uh, congratulations again on this book, and uh, thank you again for speaking with me. Well, thank you so much. It's a pleasure to do so. Once again, I've been speaking with Roby H. Harris, whose picture book Turtle and Me is being published in April by Little Bee Books. Thank you for listening to PW KidsCast. 